over your shoulders, honey. This is Mal. Oh, and this is Kim. And I'll be there. That was lovely. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Their Eyes Were Watching TV, a TV and film podcast. Today, we are talking about the Netflix film, They Clone Tyrone. Cloned? We are talking about They Clone Tyrone. Do you know, I went to the Erica Badu concert, and she had a They Clone Tyrone, like, trailer in the middle of her concert. Oh, just like the actual, like, film trailer? Yes! (laughs) Yes! <laughs> I was like, oh, Erica, you done gone so commercial. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was the intro to her doing that song. But still, I was like, oh, being marketed to by Erica Badu. Okay, all right. Now, did she sing <laughs> did she sing the original Tyrone or did she sing the clone version? She sang the original. Oh, that's even weirder that she would like. Well, I mean, it like, Cause you know, I think maybe in the trailer it does that song, maybe, but maybe they started with it, but they drifted into the full version of the regular. Okay, okay, I got you. But yeah, I thought that was wild. But yeah, yeah that's what we're talking about uh, today. So take it away, Mally Mal. She's real excited. Okay, <laughs> it's a good movie. It is, yeah, it was a fantastic movie. I really enjoyed it. So to give an overview of the film, according to IMDb, a series of eerie events thrust an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy in this pulpy mystery caper. Mm. And that unlikely trio consists of a drug dealer, a pimp, and a sex worker, (laughs) played respectively by John Boyega, Jamie Foxx, and Tiana Paris, who I thought all were excellent in the film. Comedic duo uh, of Jamie and Tiana. Their oh chemistry was amazing. Yes, they were hilarious together. So, and I also feel like this movie, it definitely felt very like 70s, early 80s mm-hmm. vibes. And I kind of forgot it was present day until um, well, we'll we'll get there. But yeah, like the way, not so much John Boyega's character Fontaine, but like Jamie Foxx as the pimp, Slick Charles especially, and then a little <laughs> bit with Tiana Paris as Yo-Yo. Um, and even the cars, they drove a lot of like 70s yeah. vehicles and things like that. Yeah, it was very, uh, I loved the like black exploitation lens that the whole like film was through, like that yes. filter on it. and Yeah, that kind of like grainy, like, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And like you said, all the nostalgia, even the soundtrack and the songs were all like, I mean, they spent some money on that thing because they was playing hits after hits after hits in the background. (laughs) Yeah, I actually like wrote down like a good number of the songs had like um, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson, Alicia Myers, I Want to Thank You, Mm -hmm. Rose Royce, I'm Going Down. Um, appropriately when they were in an elevator um, or actually that was they said <laughs> the that, yeah, that was the remix well. right um <laughs> diana ross love hangover who's i'll be good i think it was like angela was it renee and angela or something mm-hmm. um and then i'll be sure is night and day a little later 
I feel like that was like mm-hmm. maybe, but still. And then they had reference uh, some sexual thing called a Shalimar, which I had to Google. Apparently, that's a synonym for like fellatio. Um, Shalimar? Because, yeah, because there's a Shalimar song called I Can Make You Feel Good. So apparently, that's why they call fellatio Shalimar. I don't know if that's like a real thing or just for this movie, though. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So to jump into the film, the opening scene is at a convenience store that kind of becomes like a character in itself and people are talking about conspiracies, which you will learn is a big part of this film. So there's a kid named Junebug and he's riding around looking for John Boyega's character, Fontaine. And so once he finds him, he gets in the car with Fontaine and... There's some young kid who is like basically dealing on his turf. So he goes up to him, shoots the kid in the leg. And um, so obviously there's, you know, a good chance there could be some retaliation for that. So he goes on about his day, goes home, makes some sandwiches for him and his mom, knocks on his mom's door. But she says, oh, no, honey, I'm good. I'm still full from the community center fish fry. Doesn't open the door, so what a typical black mama thing to say. <laughs> right, she she's she's having some her time. It's fine. Then one of Fontaine's uh, colleagues c- comes over, and colleagues. <laughs> I, I couldn't think Associates. of Associates. Like, <laughs> sure, <laughs> one of his consultants comes by <laughs> and brings off you know the money from that day, but the money short. And so when Fontaine questions him, he's like, um, Slick Charles, like he couldn't find Slick Charles, basically. So we're missing his money. So Slick Charles is a pimp played by Jamie Foxx, played to a fucking T by (laughs) Jamie (laughs) Foxx. So Fontaine hunts him down to um, a place called the Royal Motel. So right before Fontaine gets there, um, Slick Charles is in an argument with Yo-Yo played by Tiana Paris, who is one of his uh, prostitutes. And basically she's like packing up her shit because she's sick of his shit and she's leaving. So when she's walking out the door, um, she passes Fontaine and she's like, he's in room, whatever the room is. So Fontaine knocks on the door. You know, Slick Rick is like, oh, you know, I was trying to find you. Like, I was trying to give you this money and I couldn't find you anywhere. (laughs) Whatever, just bullshitting. And then at some point we find out that he was the 1995 International Players Ball Pimp of the Year. <laughs> I wrote that down too. That shit was so funny to me. Show me some respect. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> and he feels like everyone should, like he's acting like he's like a former senator. He's like, how <laughs> dare you? Like, right. <laughs> exactly like sir um outside of the pimp circuit uh nobody cares about that title right (laughs) that was also like what all 28 years ago so like (laughs) well i mean do we know when this took place i think it's even though it looks old school i think it's supposed to be current day i'm Hmm. pretty sure okay but yeah so after like fontaine is finally like you know i guess like i'm gonna shoot you (laughs) you know like give me the money whatever he like finds the money and then he heads out gets in his car and then um 
the guy who he had shot earlier is in the car with like his boss, whose name is Isaac, played by our fave, J. Alphonse Nicholson. I love to see a little murder out here working. Little little murder from P Valley. (laughs) He's so freaking cute. I just, I'm so happy every time I see him. I know. And I forgot to mention too when after the guy got shot and he called Isaac, Isaac is like, I don't know, shaving or doing his facial regimen or something. And when he hangs up, he's like, I never get any me time. <laughs> <laughs> Just love how like JL Fonz could like bring that like humor to these like kind of or like that um uh I don't know, personality or whatever to like these kind of characters. Yeah. So anyway, so Isaac and the dude um, who Fontaine shot pull up behind Fontaine in the parking lot and he's just like, what the fuck? And he's like honking at them. And then he realizes, oh shit, like this is an ambush. So he tries to quickly open the door and like fire on them. But obviously they were ready as soon as he got out of the car. So he gets shot multiple times. He's still trying to like back up and get out, but he just can't do it. And then so the guy who he shot gets out and shoots Fontaine. And, you know, Slick Charles sees this. They think, you know, like obviously like he's dead. Mm-hmm. So next scene, Fontaine wakes up in his bed like <laughs> normal. And he does his, so we see like his normal routine is going to the convenience store and he buys a 40 cigarillos and a scratch off and he always pours there's like a guy who sits out an older guy who sits outside the convenience store named frog and he always pours a little bit of his 40 into his cup this happens like every single time he goes to this convenience store frog be spent that knowledge and so yeah it seems like frog frog always says some random stuff and it seems like nonsense but mm-hmm. come to find out maybe it's not nonsense. just the maybe. neighborhood drunk exactly (laughs) so fontaine is back home makes food for his mom again knocks on her door and she says not right now i'm watching my stories so when this happened i was like okay i don't i kind of feel like maybe she's not real because for a dab and like twice in a row i was like that's suspicious you didn't think this was like a groundhog day where he was back alive because he had like deja vu at a point where he was walking down the hallway when he after he got up and left his room like he had a moment of deja vu and like as more of the same stuff started to happen i thought it like built up a little bit um actually as soon as i turn my page i literally have it's like groundhog's day for fontaine (laughs) i guess i did (laughs) oh man with just the turn of a page (laughs) to be fair these notes because we were supposed to record this a few days ago so the notes aren't quite as fresh in my head as they were (laughs) But anyways, so yeah, it's like Groundhog's Day for him, but not really for other people because he goes uh, to Slick Charles to get the money and Slick Charles is freaked the fuck out, understandably so, because he's like, I saw you get shot up last night. Like, how are you here? And just like, fine. He said, you ghost a Christmas ass nigga. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So... Fontaine just thinks he's like you know what the hell like what are you going on about 
And so Slick Charles is trying to like tell him and he's like, Yo-Yo left like when you got here last night. If we can like find her, she can confirm it. Um, So they find her and Fontaine asks like if she saw him last night and then she says, are you Kevin Bacon? And then Fontaine says, wait, what? And then she says, hollow man. And then Slick Charles was like, oh yeah, that, that was a good one. That was a good joke. And <laughs> I thought that was 10 10 for or 10 out of 10 for like a hollow man reference um have you ever seen that movie yes with kevin bacon where he's like invisible half the movie (laughs) so like i don't remember anything else about that movie i saw it probably when i was like 10 or 11 like at a theater and like i just remember when he like first becomes like clear there's like an clear like outline of like his penis and I just remember what? you remember that at 10? <laughs> no, but the reason I remember is because everyone in the theater started cracking up. Oh, and I was just, I was like, y'all are adults. Like, what is but everyone was giggling like they were also like 10. But um, so yeah, so that's that's the only thing honestly I remember from Hollow Man. Fond but... memory <laughs> of Kevin Bacon's penis outline. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh really he left an imprint on my young <laughs> slapped it on there so yo-yo's like yes i heard the shots and then once i thought the coast was clear i went back and you know looked around to see what was going on and she said she saw an suv um leaving the scene and she recognized it from a street where she does house calls sometimes. So they go over to, <laughs> why'd you laugh? Because <laughs> he was like, I did not sanction that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but it was like, Slick Charles not the point right now. So anyways, they go like to um, the house where the SUV is to try to find who this person is who shot Fontaine. So they go in and they find like what looks like an office break room in the house. And it has like lockers and like everything in it. And then they find open the door and find an elevator. So they take the elevator down and there's a lab. And there's like some like scientist who's like a white dude who kind of has like an afro. <laughs> um so remember that part what was he listening to michael jackson was was that the um don't stop don't stop do you get enough was that where that played i think so because he was like dancing too yes (laughs) (laughs) so fontaine like hems him up and he's asking him like what the hell is going on and then while Fontaine is interrogating the scientist. Slick Charles sees this like pile of white powder and he, you know, thinks it's Coke. So he tastes it and he's like, oh, it's not Coke, but I can still ski in it. So <laughs> he puts some in a little baggie. Then, like, you know, whatever, go back to like Fontaine and like the scientist is saying, we're everywhere. And Fontaine is like, who the fuck is we? And so, like, Slick Charles, like, Fontaine, like, is looking around. So Slick Charles now has a scientist at gunpoint. And then Yo-Yo drops, like, a beaker or something. And the glass shattering startles Fontaine because he's all hyped up on whatever this, like, not Coke white powder is. Mm -hmm. And he accidentally shoots the scientist. 
so then they're like oh fuck like what do we do whatever but then like so they're like about to leave and then Fontaine finds a clone of himself on the table with bullet holes in it so now he knows that like Slick Charles and Yo-Yo were telling the truth about him getting shot but he doesn't understand obviously how there's a clone of himself I was gonna say did we miss the the car scene between Yo-Yo and Slick wait tell me what part of the car scene I think this might have been before they went to the house where they were in the car like discussing what she had seen or no maybe this comes later but they're in the car fussing (laughs) and this is when he's saying I think she talks about his goodwill suit and he said, <laughs> I will jump out these Gucci boxes and this Goodwill suit and stop the shit out of your ass. And you know I do it. <laughs> and you know I will. <laughs> I can't remember if that's that night or if that's the next day, but I'm. <laughs> oh, I died. I died. That shit was so funny to me. <laughs> and you know I can do it. <laughs> I mean, every time he would say stuff like that, it just like it kept reminding me of like on Martin when they had like the players ball. You remember that? <laughs> yes. Like a huggy bear on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> a dolomite. <laughs> so, so good. So good. <laughs> so they leave and like they're like, okay, some weird shit is going on. We need, you know, a place where we can kind of like hide out. So they go to Yo-Yo's grandma's house and they hide in her childhood bedroom. And for me, this is what, what kind of like snapped me back into like, oh shit, this is like present day. Cause like she had like a poster of like Diana Ross on the wall, but then like right beside it was B2K. And I was like, oh, okay. Like we're, we're in present day. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> but like in her room, like you see, like she has like a bunch of awards and like all these like books, huge Nancy Drew fan. And so you kind of see like, oh, like she was like an overachiever as a kid. So it's kind of like, you know, setting you up like, don't, I guess, don't discount someone because of their profession. Like this person is like actually like super smart. Yeah. So they sleep there. And then the next morning, Yo-Yo wakes up and Fontaine is gone. So her and Slick Charles, like go to look for him. So Fontaine has left because he's obviously like, I need to find out what the fuck is going on because there's not a clone of y'all. There's a clone of me. And what the hell is happening? So he gets his crew and they go back to like the little like fake trap house. Can I say? Yeah. It's homeboy in the sweatsuit puffer vest with the mini fan. (laughs) Pickles me. (laughs) Like, are, nigga, are you cold or are you hot? Which one is it? <laughs> mini fan. I remember that. How could you miss the little blue mini fan that he had in every scene that he was in fanning himself? Was, was this <laughs> the same guy who had brought the money in the pizza box or is this a different dude? Uh, He's kind of like the yes, main guy. Yes. Okay. Pizza box money you know, dude. And I, yes. I like watched this movie twice and like. <laughs> I might have just like, yeah, didn't pay close attention to it. How could you miss the mini fan? It was his prop. Like <laughs> this is like tall ass dude with a mini fan. <laughs> and what seemed to be like wintertime, because everybody had coats on. <laughs> yeah, like Fontaine always had on like a hoodie and like, yeah, it did seem like it was at least a good like October, November of this movie. He must run hot. <laughs> 
I mean, relatable because I do too. So I can't <laughs> judge them. <laughs> so uh, Bonte and his crew go back to the fake trap house and bust down the door and everything is gone. It looks like a normal home. There's no elevator. Like they somehow cleared out that shit. Like, I guess once they realized it was compromised. Fontaine like goes back and he tells Yo-Yo and Slick Charles what happened and they're you know trying to figure out what we should do. Slick Charles sees a goddamn fried chicken commercial (laughs) and he's like I'm hungry so we can keep talking but let's do it around a table of food. So they go to this restaurant that has like these commercials that um I don't know, kind of remind you maybe some of like the Popeyes commercials or McDonald's. <laughs> oh, yes, when McDonald's tries to pander to a quote unquote urban crowd mm-hmm. like that. Remember that um chicken nugget commercial where that dude was singing R and B? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Like that kind of shit. <laughs> they go to goddamn fried chicken and yo yo, you know, she's like talking strategy and she's like a big nancy drew fan and so she's like trying to explain how like nancy would solve the case saying you know there's all this wow shit but you know the answer actually is always going to be like something like really vanilla that you like would completely overlook so her and slick charles are starting to like joke about how crazy like all the shit that's happening is and fontaine starts laughing at them And Slick Charles is like, all these years I've known you, I've never seen you laugh once. And then Slick Charles starts like looking around at everybody else in the restaurant and like everybody's just like (sighs) cracking up. And he realizes that the powder from the night before that was making him laugh and jittery is like in the chicken. So he's like, it's in the chicken, it's in the chicken. And he knocks all their food on the floor. And then like everybody looks at them for a second, then they go right back to laughing so haven't you been at brunch before or like the maybe you come to brunch late and you're like sober and like you just look around and just everybody's at like a 10 and like laughing (laughs) it's like everybody is fucked up in here (laughs) that's how it was in that little chicken scene (laughs) that's a really good analogy yeah like maybe like some people say i've never been sober at brunch but yeah maybe like (laughs) Maybe when you first get there and, like, are first seated and then, like, people who have been there for, like, an hour, they're definitely, like, on 10. Yes. Loud. Oh, my God. Like, that, we went to a place for, like, my last birthday. And it was, like, the room we were in, like, the acoustics were terrible. So it was just felt like everybody in the room was, like, yelling. <laughs> right. Sound was just <laughs> bouncing everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> So Yo-Yo is like, okay, like we got to figure out like what's going on because clearly there's something happening with this restaurant. So she goes up to the counter to flirt with the manager and it is another white guy with an afro. I know. I was like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> like this is like Bob Ross slander. <laughs> right. What is this? <laughs> Her, um, what's his is name? this Tyrone? Is this Greg Brady? <laughs> right. <laughs> so Yolo, y- Yolo. So <laughs> Yo-Yo flirts her way into the back office, 
and she's like being all like oh like you know if you bring me some food or they have like some new spicy chicken and she's like if you bring me some of that spicy chicken I'll give you a shalimar and he's like of course like oh yeah like uh, absolutely so when he goes to get food she's looking around um there's like maps of like their neighborhood which is called the Glen. I didn't mention that earlier and she sees that like the manager is like taking notes on stuff and then she sees like an entire wall of like surveillance camera or surveillance camera footage and it's like basically every corner of the Glen. like they're just like surveilling them at all times so he comes back with the food and she's like I think like he sits down, she's like maybe sitting on his lap and like playing with his afro or something. <laughs> but she's like mainly trying to like, because they're sitting right in front of where um all the surveillance footage is. So she's like looking at that and whatever. So um eventually she's like, oh, like I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And then she sneaks out, meets back up with um Fontaine and Slick Charles. They see um, the white van like doing a drop off at the restaurant. So they decide to follow it. And the van's next drop is at a hair salon. After they do the drop, Yo-Yo and Fontaine go into the hair salon and they tell Slick Charles to go like look in the van to see what he can find while the people driving it are out. He finds like a government badge that he holds on to. And then in um in the back of the car, uh, he opens the boxes and there's great drink. Mm-hmm. Which cracked me up because do you remember? Uh, I don't remember if it's Dave Chappelle's for what it's worth or either killing them softly, and he has a joke about grape drink. Uh, remember I don't that? remember it exactly. No. What's the joke? Tell me. <laughs> He's basically like black kids didn't get to have like grape juice. Like we didn't get to have those nutrients. We had grape drink, which was, and the, it had three ingredients. It was sugar, water, purple. And that's <laughs> it. And so then he's like, if you ever watch one of them like Sunny D commercials where the kids like run to the refrigerator and they are like, okay, we got soda. We got some great drink and then we got Sunny D and the kids are like, Sunny D. And he's like, if you look at the black kid, he's like, I want that great drink. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe that was like a little nod to him. (laughs) But so they're putting whatever this powder is. We know it's in the chicken. We know it's in the great drink now. And then inside the hair salon, they drop off boxes of relaxer called Too Clean Perm Cream. And we see like, there's like a teacher who's getting her hair done and she's complaining about like the lack of funding and whatever, how frustrated she is. But then like once the perm kind of starts, um, you know, hitting her scalp, she just kind of like calms down and looks really relaxed. So it's like, okay, so whatever this is, it is a way to control Black people and make them more docile. Yeah. And they put it in everything we love. Herms, chicken, and great drink. <laughs> yes, literally that creamy crack. Um, you've never had a relaxer, right? I haven't. Wow. So you've avoided mind control. That is very impressive. Yeah. Hello, woke. <laughs> never been sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Isaac sees uh, Fontaine. He's like at a neighboring barber shop. He sees Fontaine walk in and he's like, oh, I killed that motherfucker. 
him and his like crew goes into the barber shop and um like basically like threatens him and yo-yo is just like okay like y'all can like measure dicks later like we, we gotta go so mm-hmm. they go back out to the car and I didn't mention, but like on the way to the barber shop or on the way to the beauty salon, Yo-Yo like opened the visor in Fontaine's car and sees a picture of his little brother, Ronnie. And she's like, oh, is this your son? And he's like, no, it's my brother. And then we find out that his little brother, Ronnie, was um, killed by a cop for allegedly stealing candy. Mm. So Mm -hmm. we find out that is like kind of, the what's the word no nah, I was gonna say sore spot but like more than that that's like kind of the, his toughest like life experience losing his little brother yeah it's like uh what do you call it turning point like his whole thank you change. yes thank you that is that's the term so like I said Slick Charles was in the van um trying to find whatever he could but the people come back out before he can get out so he has to like hide in the back of the van while Isaac and Fontaine were arguing Yo-Yo sees him getting taken away so they leave um to go try to find where he was and Yo-Yo says that uh the perm box or on the perm box it said straighter is greater And that makes Fontaine remember that Frog had said something similar. Frog, the man who sits in front of the convenience store. So they go to the uh, convenience store and they're trying to like get get information out of Frog, but he kind of like speaks in riddles. But finally, um, they're pointed in the direction of the Mount Zion Baptist Church. So the van is parked in the church parking lot. So they're able to get Slick Charles out. And then they go in for service. Your boy, David Allen Greer, is the preacher. Okay, I wasn't sure. I was like, this looks like David Allen Greer, but I don't know. He goes sang like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I don't. It's so weird sometimes seeing him like, I don't know, his like, his, I feel like some of the roles he's taken have been very interesting because I just, I guess, still think of him as like in living color. Mm. But like him in this movie and then like, on um queen sugar where he was just like a total villain oh yeah 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 yeah. he has he's he's done some interesting roles um and then he almost looked like unrecognizable with this like long gray hair and stuff yeah my man is versatile (laughs) so he is um preaching and they see that the great drink has been given out as communion the members are now docile and he's preaching that nothing really matters your bills being due don't matter your kid being gunned down like that doesn't matter just trust in god's vision and i think this like touched or touches on like a big criticism of black america's relationship with church and faith and how historically christianity has been used to control black people especially during slavery Mm -hmm. um and was used to justify like all the terrible things that were being done to enslaved people so Mm -hmm. i just wanted to get your thoughts on that yeah like i feel like that's been a thing in the black church where it's like why are you preaching like tolerance of these like horrible situations or like weathering storms or even you know peace turn the other cheek nah we need a fight (laughs) we need to you know (laughs) command space demand things 
yeah um you know want more for yourself don't just like try to see through this like shit storm you're in you know so yeah. especially when you're not like out here really like helping people you're taking their ties and you know they're broke out here and who knows what that pastor's driving i mean his suit looked nice <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's probably out here living like Mary Cosby and her, her <laughs> step-grandfather husband. Right. <laughs> Looking for uh, 2023 Don Perignon <laughs> at a motel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the band is playing some gospel kind of song, and then it turns into uh, Back That Ass Up, an <laughs> right. instrumental version. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, that might actually make me go to church, but let's see or for me it was the abrupt transition to like you know the what how quickly we shift i guess i don't know maybe that was like commentary on i don't know is that like music brainwashing us or 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 maybe the church being too secular. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. The latter. Yeah. <laughs> After the service, they like hide in the pews. And then like once everybody's gone, they um go up to the pulpit and they find a, another elevator um is underneath it. And so they use like the government key card that Slick Charles took from the van and they're able to take the elevator down to a much bigger lab with like tons of people working in it. I think Fontaine saw like three people in hazmat suits go into a bathroom. So he follows them in and we don't see what happens, but he somehow <laughs> acquires the hazmat suits for um, the three of them. So now they're kind of able to like walk around freely and see like what's really going on in this like underground lab. So they see like people down here, obviously like all white people working down here. And they're like listening in to like phone conversations of um, people in the Glen and they have like black people in like these clear, what's it? It's not like a cage. What's it called? Like a, it's like a, not a clear cage. It's like, uh, like a plexiglass cage or something. Uh, I was going to say like a holding cell or option observation that yes that makes yeah so yes they're like in these like observation rooms kind of and we see like they're playing different music some like it, there's like one room with these two guys some music makes them want to fight and then they pull on another song and it's like oh give me a hug and all these like mental kind of experiments that they are performing on these black people um, and we don't really know, I guess, if these are like actual people or if they're clones or whatever. But I would assume these are probably like actual people from the Glen. Yeah. So they get to a room that is full of clones of people from the Glen and they're in these like um, cryogenic chambers. And it's only like certain people, though, and they're just repeated over and over again. And so Slick Charles finds a clone of himself and that's the first time he realizes that he also is not real just like Fontaine so like all these memories and everything he had winning the 1995 international players ball <laughs> none of that was real <laughs> oh no so he's he's pretty devastated <laughs> I don't know about you but at this point I'm like wait is yo-yo a clone 
Yeah, I was wondering. Like, I thought maybe she was going to find a clone of herself, too. I know. I was like, is her grandma? Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So is her grandma, like, not real either? Yeah. 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 (laughs) And I guess, like, maybe that's why we saw her childhood room. Because we saw, like, well, I guess, like, even if she was a clone, they still could have set it up like that anyway. But I was going to say, maybe, like, we saw, like, all of her, like, she has, like, a past history that like we didn't we haven't seen anything from like Fontaine or Slick Charles's like actual history just them talking about it I guess yeah that's true so this is kind of where we figure out okay there's all these clones of certain people including Fontaine so when he was shot that night they just sent out another clone so they're like, all right, we got to like get out of here. So they end up exiting into a strip club dressing room, which I don't, it's like they come out of like these like lockers in like this dressing room and kind of like, why would they put a um, elevator in there? It seems like it would be hard to like get in and out of there like inconspicuously. But then it's like all the places that I guess, yeah, I was going to say maybe people love like the chicken spot you know where they've got all of their products and stuff in church uh trap houses hair salons you know yeah okay maybe they needed uh it's the cover uh, right yeah i'm just like who's coming in and out of that one um you know at least at the church like there's gonna be a lot of time where like no one's in there but i guess the dj dude right yeah, but I mean, I feel like he could just come in and out the front door, too. Like, I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm getting in the weeds here. But um, so they leave out of the dressing room and they're trying to. Um, oh, didn't Slick Charles, I think, started shooting or no, Fontaine started shooting at one of his clones. Yeah, he did. That's right. Stupidly. So when they. Yeah. <laughs> so when they were still underground, he start shooting at one of the clones in the cryogenic chamber which sets off an alarm so that's why they had to escape and ended up in that strip club dressing room so they're trying to just you know sneak out without being caught but the dj is like a white dude who i was surprised did not have an afro but he was like a i don't know like a g-dep or g-dep g-easy type white dude you know <laughs> yes he he was but i was like how did he get away from not having an afro but maybe he's uh, growing it i don't know (laughs) so where them dollars at is what's playing (laughs) as as they walk out and so then he switches the song when he sees them um because i guess he has like a little earpiece and it's like you know be on the lookout for these three so he changes the song to something by a, a fake artist called ruckus which I wondered was maybe like a nod to Uncle Ruckus on the Boondocks. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I never watched the Boondocks. I didn't watch it like regularly, but I've seen like a, a good number of episodes. You know who Uncle Ruckus, he's like basically like the Uncle Tom like character. The that. old dude? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not grandpa, but the other, or pops, whatever, but the other dude. Oh, um, no. I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> so um the song he puts on like it makes everyone lethargic and so yo-yo realizes and she's like telling them like cover your ears and the dj like actually calls it mind control music and 
he tells the entire club to chase them out. So they like run um, up to the people in the parking lot. Fontaine pulls out a gun, steals their car so they can drive off. But then they get chased down by the club goers who are under mind control. So I can't remember. I think maybe somebody like shot out their will or something like that. Mm. And so basically like they break down. So people are all surrounding the car, beating on it. And then abruptly it stops. Then they like get out the car and this like black, I can't remember if there, it was a black town car SUV, but it pulls up and another Fontaine comes out but he has a thick goatee and a conch and <laughs> apparently his name is Chester and he's driving the car and then Kiefer Sutherland gets out <laughs> gets out the back seat and he is apparently like second in command because they're like oh you're the guy causing all this and he's like no like everybody has a boss mm-hmm. so basically it's kind of a crazy scene Because he says the term or the phrase Olivia Black, which Mm. we find out is how the clones like can be controlled. So when he says Olivia Black, it makes Fontaine freeze and he gets makes like Fontaine like point the gun at Yo-Yo and then eventually like point the gun at himself. And that's also how we know Yo-Yo isn't a clone because she wasn't frozen when he like said the command and like had everybody else freeze when he oh, like yeah. flexed his power and like had uh fontaine and slick like frozen she was yes like, that's right that's right i think at that point i didn't even i wasn't thinking she was a clone since we didn't see any of her in uh cryogenic chamber but yeah that i didn't i didn't think about that though that makes sense it's like yeah. good proof Plus, he, like, gave the whole, like, game away. Like, he tells, like, the whole scheme. Yeah. Monologues. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why people always do these monologues in movies. Like, they always come back to bite them in the ass. (laughs) So, the next morning, Yo-Yo goes to Fontaine's house. Oh, sorry. Basically, Kiefer Sutherland's character, who I think is just called like the actor when you look on IMDb, like he does have an actual name. Mm. He's just like, you need to like let this go. You can go on about your life, but you know, don't cause trouble. So the next morning, when Yo Yo goes to Fontaine's house to try to strategize, he's over it. And he's like, I just want to go back. Like, this is too much. I just want to go back to like my regular life. So he goes back to his normal routine and goes to the convenience store. And for the first time, we see that the convenience store clerk is another white dude with an afro. <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> so he goes back home and he's like, I guess kind of started like getting his feelings um, about like everything that's happening. And we see a goddamn fried chicken commercial and you hear somebody say, you ain't had the hot box spicy chicken, which, did that sound like something to you? Did, or did it remind you of anything? Say it again. You ain't had the hot box spicy chicken? Uh, was this when that chicken sandwich craze <laughs> with Popeyes, <laughs> that honey chicken or whatever? <laughs> Not honey chicken. <laughs> whatever. Regular chicken. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was, I, I don't think I ever had it. I thought it was like spicy and sweet and like. That was the whole 
thing about it. You mean it. the pop, the regular pie, Popeye's chicken sandwich, right? No, you remember where they came out with like a special chicken sandwich and niggas were lining up and they were selling them for like more. Popeye's yeah. was running out. That was just, it was just a regular, they had a spicy version and a regular version, but there was like no honey or anything on it. That's it? Y'all was lining up for regular chicken sandwiches? I thought these were like specialty. <laughs> yeah, I had to wait till they like brought it back around. I was like, I'm not like waiting in line or whatever. Absolutely like this not. is too much. For a chicken like, sandwich from Popeye's? Yeah. No. <laughs> right. No. It ain't that serious. But what it reminded me of was, what's in the new chicken wraps? Please tell me crispy chicken, fresh lettuce, three cheeses, ranch dressing wrapped up in a tasty flour tortilla. I've never nope. heard this one. Nah, girl. Are you the Mary J. Blige Burger King commercial? People gave her so much crap for that. When was this? This was like maybe like 2015. <laughs> no. I I'll like I'll just send it to you later because it, it's like this guy comes to the counter and he has like the guy the Burger King guy working there like what's in the new chicken wraps and then the guy like says it back but before he can finish it Mary J Blige out of nowhere is like what's in the new chicken wraps <laughs> she says it so much <laughs> he is pissed and he does not know and then the guy like behind the counter is like Mary. And then she like sings that song and just <laughs> no, I have not seen this. I cannot. This is like a it's a fucking classic. I I will send it to you as soon as we finish recording. No, wow, yeah. <laughs> but for those, I'm sure the rest of you know what I'm talking about. It definitely gave that kind of vibe. So, anyways, Fontaine is getting pissed. He like after seeing that commercial and I guess thinking about you know how they're poisoning the chicken and all this other stuff throws like the remote at the tv and then he's just like i need somebody to talk to so he goes to his mom's door and he's like mom like can we like please talk and he's getting like the same canned answers from from before like not right now i'm watching my stories and he's like mom like please please i need to see you just open the door so he kicks in the door and sees that it's literally an empty room with a recorder or a um like yeah like a tape recorder just spitting out these phrases so understandably he breaks down <laughs> he's like okay like literally my whole life's a lie i don't have like i don't even have a mom like i don't have anybody. yeah that was sad that was, so that was sad. yeah that was fucking heartbreaking so he goes outside and he's like sitting on his porch crying. And then a little kid from the beginning of the movie, Junebug, rolls up and he's like, You crying? Like, you know, kind of like <laughs> giving him a hard time. But he came like at the perfect time because him like kind of saying these jokes and like he gave him like a little like Capri Sun or whatever. And like so Fontaine kind of starts like laughing, smiling. And I think it really helped because I'm sure Junebug probably reminded him a lot of Ronnie, his little brother. Yeah. So Yo-Yo's like, all right, I'm on my own. Like Fontaine wants to pretend like nothing happened. Slick Charles is having a breakdown. So she types up this report to like send to, I don't know, or I think she's trying to send to like news stations to like blow it up. So she goes to the mailbox in like a trench coat and like a big like Carmen San Diego hat and like dark black sunglasses. 
And so she's trying to be like incognito, like the least incognito outfit ever. And there is um, another sex worker named Biddy, who is very funny throughout the movie. And she's across the street and she's like, yo, yo, girl, yo, yo. Is and he was like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> and so as soon as she like drops it off in the mailbox and starts walking away, a black SUV comes and snatches her up and she ends up in one of those um, holding cells down um, underground. Um, how did wait? Yeah, they start looking for her, and they they find uh, her homegirl that called her out from across the street, and she tells them about the car taking them away. Thank you. That's right. So Slick Charles comes up with a plan to basically like create their own army because they're like, we need like a bunch of people so we can go in and infiltrate like this underground lab and get Yo Yo back. He comes up with a way because as we mentioned like they they are being surveilled 24 7 so he comes up with a plan for isaac to fake shoot fontaine so they think that fontaine is dead so basically slick charles is like we're gonna have to like do this by you know being inconspicuous and making it look like we're doing you know everything they expect us to do so Biddy like is basically pretending to service them in cars and um is like passing along like the information and so Isaac is like all I have to do is like shoot him in the shoulder and then like I get like 10 G's whatever <laughs> so it's great they set it up and uh it's really cute too you see like Isaac like practicing <laughs> and he's like did that sound believable <laughs> Or what I loved was the two chicks, you know, who were the go-between. Like, he would say, okay, give me 10 stacks. And there she go. He wants 30 stacks. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Brilliant. the price just kept going up and up. And I was like, yes, girls, get your money. <laughs> right, right. Shit, y'all doing a lot of work, too. You deserve to be paid. Right. <laughs> so, while they're, like, getting this together, we see that while yo-yo is in like this holding cell they like tie her down and they're putting perm like in her hair and so she's fighting back and then like she acts docile and we see like the two like whoever scientists whatever they are like doing this to her they're like standing there taking notes like okay like it's having this effect on her which yeah just the history of black people being tested on this country like yeah (laughs) yeah we could be there all day but anyways she pretends that it's affecting her but it's actually a wig so (laughs) luckily they did not realize that i guess she had a real good wig cap and a part in there because they had no idea (laughs) so um slick charles uh gets the cavalry together and they go to the convenience store. I and- love that scene of them like ride down the street, like the whole cavalry and like uh, drop tops. Oh, yeah. So dope. And then like Sick Charles and Isaac are sitting like in the back of um, like these convertibles, and like Isaac's car pulls up beside Slick Charles and they like fist bump. That was dope. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, then they go to the convenience store and they got all these guns and the white guy with the fro, you know, he's like scared when he turns around and Slick Charles is like, uh, can you point this in the direction of that freaky elevator? <laughs> and so, yeah, they go down, get shit popping. Like the people down there are were not prepared for this at all. <laughs> Scrambling. Um, <laughs> right. Oh, and so I'm so sorry. I totally forgot to mention that. Obviously, like, since Isaac fake killed Fontaine, he gets taken away and a new Fontaine is sent up to the surface. So Slick Charles has to get that new Fontaine and tie him up. But also, I kind of wondered, like, why he needed to do that. Because hmm. I'm like, I don't really know. I don't think he would have, the new Fontaine would have really gotten in the way. Because, like, he didn't know anything about this plan. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. So, yeah. But anyway, so the new Fontaine is tied up in um, Sick Charles's motel room. And, like, our Fontaine, who's in on this, he's, like, in a body bag down in the lab. But, you know, obviously he's faking and he's still alive. So he, like, gets out of the body bag and he runs into Chester, he, who looks like Fontaine, but has, like, the cock and the goatee. So... They start fighting each other and Chester's winning and um, knocks Fontaine out and drags him to the head guy's office. So it turns out the person in charge of everything is just an older Fontaine. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. So basically him cloning himself is kind of what started all of this. He tells Fontaine that Ronnie was real And he wanted all of the clones to have that memory of having a little brother. But the memory he kept from them was that he um, was he had to be the one to identify like the body or something. Right. And I remember he said they didn't even because Ronnie was murdered by cops. They said they they didn't even like wipe all of the blood like off of him. So he had to clean the dried blood off of Ronnie himself. Yeah. So he was like, I left y'all the happy memories of Ronnie, but I kept that pain from y'all. And he said the anger he felt from that experience was what made him make this deal with the devil. So he tells him this, the plan is basically like assimilation is better than annihilation. And that these white dudes with afros are the beginning of gradually turning clones white. He's like, we've taken, um, you know, samples of people from the Glen, from Chinatown, from the Barrios. So basically he's trying to turn like all these people of color gradually into white people. Yeah. And what I, I don't think he said this outright, but I assume this deal he made with the government or whoever was about white people not wanting to lose being the majority population in the U.S., yeah, like I I wrote that because Kiefer earlier was talking about how like they need these labs, they need these experiment centers to figure out how to maintain peace in America. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why do you feel like you don't have peace unless you're controlling other people? <laughs> right. And why don't you try controlling yourselves a little bit instead of other people? yeah but yeah it's just it's yeah it's crazy his stance on all this 
Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not all skin focus or can folk. Not at all. <laughs> so basically, like after the older Fontaine, like tells Fontaine all this stuff and the plan and everything. Um, he's about to tell Chester to shoot, but Fontaine says Olympia Black. And older Fontaine is like, I'm not a clone that doesn't work on me. And he's like, yeah, but it works on him. And then he he tells Chester to kill older Fontaine. So he shoots him. And so he's gone. Fontaine like leaves out. And while this is happening, Slick Charles and Yo-Yo are uh, freeing the clones from the cryogenic chambers. And Kiefer uh, Sutherland comes in and starts shooting at them, like trying to get them to stop basically. And so Slick Charles runs out of bullets and he like kind of like runs off to the side somewhere so Kiefer's focused on Yo-Yo now I don't know how he did Slick Charles did this so fast but he got a clone of himself (laughs) and put all of his clothes on the clone so Slick Charles sends this decoy out and Kiefer shoots him and so basically he's telling like Yo-Yo she needs to give up so she like holds her hands up and he tells her to drop the gun. So she throws the gun past him. And he's like, cute, whatever. And then she looks down at Slick Charles on the ground. And she notices that he doesn't have any of his jewelry on. And so that's how she realizes this is a clone and not like the actual Slick Charles. Mm. So Kiefer's about to shoot her. And he says something about Slick Charles being tacky. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. But you gotta like respect his style, the jackets, the the fur, the rings, the jewelry, the whatever. Slick Charles has like picked up uh Yo-Yo's gun and he shoots Kiefer from like the back of the head, basically. So did you catch that? That she noticed that he wasn't wearing the jewelry? Um, I don't know that I catch the jewelry part, but I know I knew that she knew that wasn't him. But I didn't pick up on that part. I didn't catch it the first time. And then the second time, like what she was saying, I was like, oh, he's not wearing like any of the jewelry. So that's how she knows. Yeah. So basically, like, since they have, they freed all those like clones from the cryogenic chambers, all these like naked people are coming up to the surface. So obviously there's a bunch of like news crews who are like showing (laughs) up like this is so unusual like all these people are just showing up confused and naked and whatever so um they have like interviews of like some of the people from like the calvary like isaac and some of like (laughs) other folks who went down and so basically like the lid has been blown off of this like whole situation right but i did you love how they were like I felt like it was a nod to like that period on the internet of all those like news clips of black people just being hilarious, like retelling <laughs> what happened. <laughs> like that leprechaun one? The leprechaun <laughs> one. Um, your boy, hide your kids, hide your hide wife. Hide your wife. Uh, Lord Jesus, this is a fire. Sweet brown. <laughs> like, I felt like it was a tribute to that. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that, but I could definitely see that now. <laughs> so Slick Charles Yo-Yo and Fontaine all reconvene and Yo-Yo is like you know she's been 
ready to like move to Memphis and start a new life. And Slick Charles is like, you know, maybe I'm ready to like hang it up too. And um, Yo-Yo's like, you know, they might need like people of our like specific set of skills in Memphis. And Fontaine is like, well, I'm only a few days old, so it might be time for me to see the world. And Memphis seems like a good place to start. So it's like, oh, like they're all going to like go together to Memphis. So I thought that was like a nice ending. But I was like, ooh, sequel. Does that leave the door open for a sequel? Well, and maybe even too, with like the, we get the title card, they clone Tyrone. And then we see Fontaine waking up again, but this time with cornrows. And so it's like, uh, wait, why? So I, at first I thought like, oh, I guess he like, is doing a new hairstyle in Memphis or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so when he wakes up, the radio says like, oh, this is Ruckus with his song Shiesty. And so this Fontaine walks outside and you see like all these palm trees. So it's like, oh, okay. He's like in like LA or somewhere Mm -hmm. like that. And then he's wearing a lot of blues. I guess he's supposed (laughs) to be cripping yeah (laughs) and but we see him go to the convenience store exact same routine as the fontaine i don't know where the glen was supposed to be i assume i don't know know. or something probably somewhere yeah Yeah. i feel i feel like it was the southeast somewhere so exact same routine he pours a 40 into a guy's cup it's not frog but it's another guy like similar to frog and then we see him watching tv of his friends and the news is showing like all these clones coming up and then they see a Fontaine clone and then one of his friends asks ain't that you Tyrone so it's like oh this is Tyrone finally right it wasn't the afro white boys (laughs) (laughs) but I thought that was kind of cool how they like we didn't really know till the end because I was just like who the hell is Tyrone yeah yeah I I think we had to rewind that back because somehow I think I missed it when I watched it uh, with my boo. Um, I missed it. I was like, wait, who was Tyrone? Who was Tyrone? So yeah, that was a nice little twist. But yeah, and then it ends with the film version of erica badu's who cloned tyrone the remix yeah so So good so good yeah i enjoy that a whole lot yeah i just i mean i love sci-fi so black sci-fi i was like yes Mm -hmm. give me more give me more give me more cast chemistry was tippity top tier like it was great playing on the conspiratorial nature of black people in general (laughs) and playing off the right stereotypes like they just yeah did a great job with that yeah i thought like um i thought john boyega did a really good job like he did a really good job oh yeah you know that's like love of my life i love him so much (laughs) yes i'm i'm aware (laughs) but i felt so bad for his character because it's like has to be such a a sad realization to just know like you have no control over your existence right based off of yeah. you know what Kiefer showed up and said like 
you play a part and we need you to play your part <laughs> and we're going to keep doing this right you know so it's like to know your place and not be able to do anything about it is just a tough place to be in um yeah. but i also felt like it showed the the fight the resiliency the intelligence and the desire of black people to be mm. free yes yes ma'am <laughs> like even though he was a clone you know if he was a version of this really intelligent person who came up with this whole scheme to like change and modify black people then his clones are capable of so much more you know yeah so yeah. i I liked that bit of like hope and nod to just black people always persevering, no matter how much the man tries to keep us down. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, like you said, with like his intelligence and then obviously like yo-yos and even when Kiefer was reading the letter that she had tried to send off like exposing and he's like oh like good use of I don't remember like she used some fancy word mm -hmm. um and then like slick Charles like coming up with this whole plan with like the Calvary and all that like yeah, yeah like all like super intelligent like regardless of their you know professions or whatever right so it's like you are clearly the reason why we have not risen in society because we're trying but you're keeping us yeah. in the hood. <laughs> you're keeping us in the hood. Yeah. Systematic racism is keeping us here. Yeah. And using like three characters who would certainly be villainized as like problems and like kind mm -hmm. of ruining like black communities and like making them the heroes. I mean, to be fair, Fontaine was the neighborhood menace. Like he was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, slick in his own own way, too, you know? Yeah. So it's not where they have ended up. It's that at some point society did them wrong. Mm -hmm. And we are to blame for maybe a little bit for how they got here. When you say we, what do you mean? The collective we, society. <laughs> society may have had a part. Like Fontaine, specifically, the police killed your, your brother. Like, you saw him killed not taken care of like the institutions that are supposed to protect you and i think part of it he said was like they didn't call for help so his it took his brother like that's you know, right however long to actually die like he suffered yeah like he could have uh been saved right yeah so it's like that level of cruelty like that changes mm -hmm. a person that changes yeah. you that makes you like lose a part or it can make you lose a part of yourself and that empathy yeah yeah no i mean i totally agree with like the institutions causing it was just when you said we i was like i don't think you we no. it's not us society <laughs> not not me i was like yeah i mean well, i was gonna say it's not black people but clearly from this film it is some black people who are but overall it is white supremacy and the patriarchy but yep. yeah um so i want to ask like obviously a big part of this film is like conspiracies and as you said like black people do kind of have an affinity for conspiracies which as you said all the shit we have been put through in this country it makes sense like you always kind of gotta like look over your shoulder yep. um so the first one that or well let me ask you first are there any like conspiracies that like came to mind when you were watching this film um i mean 
the ones that always get me are the flat earthers like oh yeah <laughs> like you really think all these warring nations have come together <laughs> on this one lie like come on right for and like what purpose would that serve right every uh space program is photoshopping images <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, well, you saw um, Mexico shared that supposed a thousand-year-old alien corpse. That shit looks so fake. <laughs> like a like paper mache project from right. like an eleventh grader. I was like, who verified this? <laughs> like y'all just out here playing. That, that looks like that damn uh, leprechaun drawing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so. The first one that came to mind for me, like, and these are specifically in regards to Black Americans. Do you remember um, a rumor back in the day that, like, church's chicken, it was, like, that they were, like, poisoning people and that it was, or poisoning Black people and that it was, like, ran by the KKK? You remember that? Yes, vaguely. (laughs) So... I remember that. And so I looked it up. It originated in the mid 80s. And it was believed that churches was owned by the KKK and they were putting an ingredient in their chicken that would make black men sterile. Oh, but I didn't see anything about like, what if a non-black man like ate their chicken? Like there was no (laughs) about that. Um, But But was churches in non-black neighborhoods in the 80s? Right, because the only churches I remember in Charlotte was um, near my grandma's house in this like historically black neighborhood called Biddleville. And Biddleville is where, have you heard of uh, Johnson C. Smith? It's like a private HBCU. So the churches was literally right across from Johnson C. Smith. Hmm. And that is, you know, (laughs) there there might be some truth (laughs) to it. I don't know. Um, But so there's an author, Patricia Turner, and she wrote a book called I Heard It Through the Grapevine, all about like conspiracy theories. And she said that the church's myth seemed to have been exacerbated by the fact that it located its franchises primarily in neighborhoods of high concentrations of Black people. And the chain also did little advertising as compared with other fast food companies. And when I read that, I was like, yeah, because I feel like I would see like KFC and Bojangles commercials and even like Hardee's when they had like fried chicken for a time. Like, I feel like I would see those commercials all the time, but I like remember seeing a church's commercial maybe like once every few years. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I remember church's commercials at all. I also think churches is regional. Like I, I, I think it's like an East Coast, maybe Midwest thingy, or even that just north. Right. Because I don't think I knew about it until maybe I moved to Ohio. Okay, yeah, I think yeah, it might be like East Coast and Midwest, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and where was? Do you remember where the or the Popeyes? Do you remember where the churches was in Ohio? Like what the neighborhood was like? Was it black? Oh, I was going to say, was it Black or just, like, lower income? I think it was just lower income. So there was a mix of Black and White. Okay, I got you. But my brother, my that, my brother worked there, actually, now that I think about it. That's how I knew about it. My brother worked there <laughs> for a time. Uh-oh. 
<laughs> you better ask him about what they was putting in that chicken. <laughs> so churches was taken over by Popeyes in 1989. And oh. that, yeah, which I did not know. But by that time, the conspiracy theories had kind of waned. But like, I would not have heard that rumor until like the 90s. So it was definitely still like floating around. <laughs> um I rem- like even growing up, like I think I had churches maybe once or twice. And so I wonder if part of that was like my family having like some kind of like fear, like subconscious fear of like eating their chicken. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Black people are superstitious, okay. <laughs> or we or you I would say paranoid. Bad, I was yes, that's the word I'm looking for. You tell us one thing, like you had one bad experience, we ain't going. Ooh never (laughs) (laughs) and i so we were saying we never hardly see churches commercials but there's one that's been i've seen it just in the last few weeks and it is for some it's called like a grande meal and it has a latinx family and so i was like oh shit now they're coming for latinos (laughs) (laughs) like heads up my brown brothers and sisters (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do not let them hoodwink you into mind control and docility <laughs> now the one thing i did like from uh churches they had gizzards oh i've never had a gizzard gizzards are pretty good i had oh, never man. had them till churches oh yeah that was a little, a little too much of a deep cut for me <laughs> <laughs> gizzards and chitlins and all that nah i'm gizzards are very different than chitlins they're i've actually never had chitlins but gizzards are delicious to be honest i don't what exactly is a gizzard what part of the chicken is that i actually don't know i was gonna say is it the liver like uh, i don't know because i think the liver would just be called liver right or maybe that's is that just with cows no they do they have chicken livers too so i think gizzards is i feel like gizzards is that like the neck or something there's an organ found in the digestive tract of some animals. Like, this doesn't, wait, this ain't what I'm looking for. <laughs> Chicken gizzards. There we go. Stomach of a bird. It's located just after the true. Oh, yeah. It's bird stomach, I guess. Oh, that sounds delicious. But it's pretty tasty. Oof, I, I'm going I'm to have to take your word for that one. I feel like, you know, I remember one time me and my mom had driven maybe like Jekyll Island, Georgia. I feel like we were somewhere in like South Georgia. And I think we went to like a KFC and they had gizzards and maybe chicken livers on the menu. Mm. And I was shocked because that we did not have those on the menus in North Carolina. You said KFC? Yeah. Did y'all have a buffet, a KFC buffet? I love that thing, boy. Ooh. Ooh. Oh the my mashed potatoes just scooping. Yes, scoop <laughs> Ooh, just scoop it to your little heart's desire. Oh my God. Now, do you do you remember they had this was I want to say like maybe like 93-94? It was called um rotisserie gold. Do you remember that? yes girl that was the best fucking chicken and then they got rid of it and they tried to have some shit called tender roast (laughs) sucked in comparison (laughs) that that rotisserie girl it was it was succulent it was seasoned (laughs) seasoned to the gods like it was 
so good. And yeah. it didn't come with biscuits. It came with these little like fucking corn muffins. Oh, I don't remember the corn muffins now. Yes. They were small, but I think you got like two or three of them. Oh my God, please. Like I'm... <laughs> I'm still like, I mean, it's fucking 30 years later, and I'm still <laughs> mad that they got rid of rotisserie gold. <laughs> but you can always go to what was that other spot where you can get rotisserie chicken? Uh, spot. God, it's like family. Oh my God, you know it. You know it. They had one in Chapel Hill and like that shopping center where like the loop was. God. You like AW? Like- no, but you get like rotisserie. Oh. Uh, I remember the loop. They had really good onion rings. Boston Market. That's the place I'm thinking of. Girl, you know they ain't taste like no rotisserie bowls. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> that cornbread, though. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, the mac and cheese was good. We never. And we, the stuffing. All the sides was fire. Yeah, for some reason, we didn't do a lot of Boston Market. We were like very KFC focused. And then I think when I was in high school, it kind of switched over to Bojangles. Um, anyways, we're, okay, we, this, the point of this was not to talk about chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to mention another conspiracy also from like the mid-90s. Do you remember the crown air fresheners that like people would have in their cars? Yes. For those unfamiliar, like you could have like the little like pine tree thing that you hang around the rear view mirror. But if you wanted like a little extra razzle dazzle, you could get these like scented crown ornaments. They were like plastic, but they were made to like look like gold crowns that like, you know, like a king or queen would wear. And people would typically put them on like their dashboard or in like that back windshield area. They were like, you know, kind of kind of gaudy. But Apparently, there was a rumor that they were gang-related because mostly Black and Latinx people would have them in their cars. What? I didn't hear this one. So that one, I never heard growing up. The rumor I heard as a kid was that the company was maybe also owned by the KKK. (laughs) (laughs) America's owned by the KKK, okay? (laughs) So... Uh, but I saw mostly like older people having them. Like I remember like some of the ladies, like my grandma was friends with at the kingdom hall. And th- so it seemed like more like of like a church, like religious thing that mm. like people would have. And like, I think maybe like associating like crowns of Jesus being king, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like reading about this on Snopes. Apparently some churches would order caseloads to distribute to their members. Oh, Okay. And so it so apparently how this rumor came about was like it was alleged that a high-ranking clan member appeared on some TV or radio talk show to brag about how the KKK had made tons of money from the sale of these crowns and would say something like, thanks to the N-words for making us rich. But apparently the owners of this company had no ties to the KKK. Damn. Okay. So, like, it's kind of crazy to think about, like, how this rumor, because, like, even I remember hearing that as a kid. Like, how did this rumor spread like that without the internet? Right, right. And so I think, like, Black, like, some, like, local Black radio stations would, like, report on it in, like, different cities across the country. But, like, it also kind of makes sense because you didn't have the internet to, like, fact check things. So it's probably <laughs> easier to, like... Spread things. <laughs> uh, that's true. 
And then I have one last one. Um, did you have British Knight sneakers as a kid? No. Do you remember them, right? BKs? Yes. Yes. So they seem to like blow up and then kind of like fade away fairly quickly. And I couldn't find anything online about this conspiracy, but I do remember hearing a rumor about British Knights. And can you guess what that rumor was? <laughs> it was owned by the KKK. <laughs> I see a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. So. <laughs> Like damn, <laughs> some entrepreneuring sums of bitches that <laughs> all kinds of businesses. Um, <laughs> but so what I remember, like from being a small child, is that British knights. It was supposed to be like the British, as in like white knights. Mm. Obviously, like not I, everybody. I could see that one a little closer. Yeah. So obviously, not everybody in Britain is white, but like that was the rumor. Um, but when I was like Googling this, I did not remember that MC Hammer was a spokesperson. <laughs> was like, Look at that. Y'all ain't even back checking. <laughs> like, I don't remember this commercial at all, but there's like a commercial of him dancing like in BK Nights to like a remix of Can't Touch This, like all about BK or all about British Nights. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess they could still be owned by the KKK. <laughs> well, now there's like apparently some sci-fi thriller show on Peacock called Mrs. Davis about a nun. Oh, and, yeah. And so there's someone or either multiple multiple people on that show um, who pr are prominently wearing British Knight sneakers. So I guess maybe they're making like a comeback. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah but did we verify that they are not owned by the kkk see that one i could i couldn't find it jury's so. <laughs> still out right that might be their one business but yeah just you know i from the tuskegee experiment to you know sterilization of women that lasted through the 70s and all the like terrible like medical and just torturous procedures that were like tested out on enslaved people without any kind of anesthesia um, because it was believed that black people felt less pain or didn't feel pain at all and then like Henrietta Lacks like her cells being used she passed away in 1951 and her cells are still being used um, a, an agreement wasn't even reached with her family until 2013 which was 61 years after her death I thought and, they just like this year reached something or did yes Okay. So they there was an agreement in 2013, but they didn't get money until literally last month, August. Wow. 2023. Wow. Um, they didn't disclose how much, but her sales have been used for cancer research, vaccines, IVF, and so many other things. They and made trillions off of that lady. Exactly. And I'm like, y'all don't want to give her family anything? So not whatever not, not to go on the soapbox but like it's not just america there's like an hbo documentary coming out about a white woman who went to uganda pretended to be a doctor opened a supposed medical facility and she is accused of killing hundreds of kids wow. because she was an actual doctor wow, yeah. wow. so all that uh, to say the audacity like what right. possesses somebody to do that right like you, you didn't have to go over it all like no yeah how do you even get that i that's sick that's sick right so i just wanted to like mention those few things because you know obviously we can laugh at like the crown thing and the churches thing 
maybe British nice. That's still jury <laughs> might be out. <laughs> but there's a lot of very serious things that have happened to Black people in this country and outside of this country. So Black people being paranoid, it makes complete and total sense. And I could never blame us for, you know, feeling that way. Oh, yeah. This, like, you know, this is like the justification, you know? All the shit we've been saying is true. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that was... I love that you said that because that kind of ties it back to that very opening scene of They Clone Tyrone where the people are talking about conspiracies in front of the convenience store. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's completely justified. Like they they blew the um was it blew, not blew the roof off. What's it called? Blew the yeah, blew the, the lid, lid lid off. Blew the lid off. Yeah. So yeah. Um what do you have your eyes on, Cam? Um I have been watching, I've been re-watching loki on disney plus okay because the new season is coming out uh, i believe october 6th so oh, wow. i had to refresh myself since i think the original season came out in 2020 like it's been a long time <laughs> i haven't i started the first season i haven't even finished it oh well you gotta get caught up the first I season know. was good so and i think maybe well not not that this is like a positive but i thought i heard jonathan majors character shows up in season two of of loki Uh uh-oh okay so tbd tbd on that one (laughs) but that's been a joy um also on disney i have been watching i might i can't remember if i said this but that new star wars show ashoka starring rosario dawson I think you did mention that. I thought so too, but I can't. I can't recall. Also, uh, season three of Top Boy that came out. I've been watching, you know, my people uh, doing that thing. <laughs> okay, Candy. I see. <laughs> Getting proper peas out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, that show, it just, I can't take these gangsters seriously with these like british accents like it's just it's so humorous to me <laughs> like it's i can't i can't i'm not afraid i'm not afraid <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um i don't know if this this might be the final season but that has been good i started watching um uh, real housewives of salt lake city it's pretty you're right it's pretty pretty good (laughs) my god they are this i think salt lake might be in like my top three favorite real housewife (laughs) cities just ridiculousness yeah but what about you what you got your eyes on so i've pretty much just been watching hulu apparently Mm. i watched the other black girl have you watched that oh that's oh i didn't know it had come out yet i want to see it good yeah, so I binged it like over the weekend. Oh, the whole um, series is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. it's uh, I think ten episodes. Oh, maybe we should do a show on it. That good? Yeah, I so it's like because at first I was kind of like, wait, what? But then I realized like it's it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like it's kind of like campy. Okay. So yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it's fun. I. Maybe we should do a show about it because I would kind of like love to hear your thoughts on it. But um, <laughs> it's good. It's fun. It's not. I was worried it was going to be like scary. Like there's like kind of like some. Yeah, 
thought, eerie. Uh huh. Yeah, it's kind of like that sci-fi. Um, it's it actually like it kind of touches on some of the things that um they clone Tyrone does actually, mm. but yeah, there's like some eerie parts, but no, it's not really scary. It's kind of like another like not all skin folks your kin folk kind of yeah. story. <laughs> and then I watch Brooke Shields' documentary called Pretty Baby. Oh that is very good so it's two parts the first part is all about her childhood and i like i knew she had did like a nude scene in the blue lagoon movie when she was like 15 or 16 which obviously is like too young to be doing that but i did not realize there was like a movie i think it's i think the movie was called pretty baby from when she was like nine and she plays like a child prostitute oh gosh yeah and it's so it's so crazy like seeing they were saying like because of like the feminist movement of like the like late 60s into the 70s men felt like they weren't able or women are fighting back on being sexualized but they were like oh we can sexualize like these like little girls who like don't have as much say it was cam like it was insane like it was so fucking disgusting they were talking about like how they would like make up like these little girls like in heavy makeup to try to make them look like women Hmm. um so it was yeah it it, it's so yeah content warning for that like it's a little tough to watch um the second episode of it is um i would say it's a lot lighter her in like adulthood and then kind of like her coming out of that and i totally forgot like she wrote a book about like her postpartum depression Hmm. and she was saying like how guilty she felt and then she got on like meds for it and i forgot that like tom cruise like went on like rants against her and she was he was like you know you don't need medicine for that blah 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 Hmm. and like because you know i guess like in scientology you're not supposed to take like medicine or she's a scientologist no she's not Uh, (laughs) it was just like he came like one like you're like you're not like you've never given birth so like how dare you right so like whatever but anyways i totally forgot but she was on like oprah like talking about it um and like him coming at her i totally forgot that was a thing but um yeah it's it's a very good docuseries um and then the last thing also on hulu i mentioned like months ago that i wanted to watch pam and tommy but i finally watched it um, start Lily James as Pamela Anderson, Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee, and then it also stars um, Seth Rogen as the guy who like stole the safe out of their house that had the sex tape in it. Mm. And so he um, worked with a character played by Nick Offerman, who's like this like porn film guy, to distribute it. And it was really interesting because I didn't really. I knew the tape got out, but I didn't really know the ins and outs of it. And when I watched that Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix, I remember her saying that she did not want to watch the series. Mm. And I was like, when I was first watching and I was like, oh, like it doesn't paint her in a bad light at all. But like seeing like everything that she like went through and basically it was like Seth Rogen's character was doing contract work in Tommy Lee's house and Tommy Lee was just like having an attitude, kept wanting to change shit. And I don't know how much of this is true, dramatized, whatever. But in this show, he refused to pl- uh, pay Seth Rogen's character. 
And so Seth was like going into debt, buying stuff for this. So he was like, well, I got to get him back. So he breaks in, steals the safe. And basically Pam becomes collateral damage because he's mad at Tommy Lee. And so just like seeing her in like the deposition, trying to go sue Hustler so they won't post images from the video. And yeah, it's just, it's very early internet. So seeing how like they were even able to like ship it to people and stuff, because it's like what, 96? It's just, it's very interesting. So I I highly recommend it. Um, But yeah, just another instance of like basically women suffering because men are doing shitty things so yeah mm. but yeah that is it for me well on that note we will conclude this episode thank you for listening uh continue to follow us and listen to us on all your podcast listening uh platforms and devices we can be reached on Instagram and Facebook at Their Eyes Were Watching TV and on Twitter or X. Yeah. No, Twitter. I refuse. We should get off Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, TikTok, we are T E T. You can do it. You, you got T-E-W-W-T-V it. T E W W TV podcast. <laughs> There you go, little buddy. You got it. T E W W T V podcast. There we go. Like, subscribe, and engage with us. Tell us what you want us to watch and talk about. Yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) thanks so much for listening, and we will catch y'all next time. Goodbye.